Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode number 96 of The Rewind. It is time to touch base, to take stock, and to catch up on the week that was in Pantheon Rise of the Fallen's development and the MMO community following this project. This week, we'll see what we learned at the March VIP Developer Roundtable. We'll have a discussion about some systems in Pantheon that maybe we could do without. We'll enjoy a promo for the upcoming 2022 Pantheon Plus Dungeon Group Draft. And as always, we'll absorb some lore. So set aside your quill and your brush for about an hour while you enjoy the comforts of community and conversation with me, Theric, and my artisanal co-host, Desert. We hope you enjoy this week's Rewind. So Desrin, I, I have a bit of a problem and it's two words, Elden Ring. <laughs> I am hopelessly addicted to this game. Can't work, can't eat. It's basically completely taken over my life. <laughs> um, wow. It, it, yeah, it's an amazing game. I mean, I like I said before, I introduced this game to my 16-year-old son. And we've had a fascinating conversation last night, actually, about this game, about a perspective of like a, you know, that generation versus our generation, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We Like we were talking last night about the lack of any kind of quest tracking in the game whatsoever because there's no quest journal there's no real tracking and he was like i get that but they at least need to tell you when you've acquired a quest like when you are doing something that is for the purpose of a quest because the game doesn't tell you that if you don't play Elden ring it's very like yeah you just kind of uh, do things and <laughs> you, you yeah kind of the hope game that never it's related tells to you. something yeah, the game the game doesn't tell you anything we had this really interesting debate about it because i was like this is how it used to be back in the day like everquest this is very everquesty because everquest didn't track quests for you didn't have a quest journal anything like that um and and i said you know this is a very much a older type of game design and it got me thinking really about pantheon you know about appealing to a younger audience and why you know something like this you know could or could not work and it just got into this bigger discussion that i definitely want to have at some point but i just thought it was so interesting and i wanted to, to share that with you and to yeah. our listeners so yeah that yeah. that's that's what i've been doing <laughs> how how has elden ring or, or even just life in general been been treating you i mean it's so funny that you are so on the the train the uh, <laughs> elden ring train just because <laughs> i mean I, I feel like i was a really big proponent of it when it when it came out right and I feel like of, you know, you and, and a lot of like the guild, uh, I'm playing it like the least <laughs> of everyone now. <laughs> I'm still loving it, but like it, it just, that's how the, the cards have fallen currently. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. right now, uh, I think it's just a matter of mood and, um, and doing other stuff, you know, but, uh, but yeah, this week's, you know. Not bad. As I, as I kind of told you, I have to like look in one direction right now because I like screwed up my neck. Because uh, apparently that's what happens when you get old. You just wake up with yeah. different conditions. You know. Oh <laughs> yes, sleep injuries. I, I have many a sleep sleep injury <laughs> over the course of my last five ten years of my life. But, but so alas, kind of horrible. Know, you know, we we, we move yeah. on. We we record the rewind and uh, <laughs> and I just make sure I'm I'm <laughs> directly <laughs> facing my my material. You do what you got to do. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, um, our adventure party this week, though, does not need a quest journal because they're all seasoned explorers. (laughs) And um, we've got a good party. So we've got Ziplocs on the Dark Mer Rogue, Sparrow on the Elf Ranger, 
Bounty Code on the Human Wizard, Screech on the Scar Bard, Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter, and Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric. So if you look at our party, actually, uh, you'll see that there are no duplicates of any of the classes. There's also no tank. (laughs) Yeah, well, ignoring the fact that there is no tank and we're probably going to die, before we die, any loot we get, if it's for your class, there's no competition for it. So this week's adventure party really kind of lucked out because, you know, whatever drops fits for your class. It's all yours, man. So that's right. Good stuff. Yeah. But um, no, but seriously, in all, in all seriousness, thank you uh, so much for your continued dis- uh, support from all the folks that listen and support the show. We definitely couldn't, um, you know, brave the uh, the dark adventure lands of this podcast uh, <laughs> podcast <laughs> world without our adventure party every week. If you uh, if you want to join up and uh, join the party, you can use the super chat option during the premiere on YouTube, or you can head over to our Patreon page while you're, where you'll find more options to support the show. But enough about that. Time to get the show on the road. Are you ready, Des? Let's try. This week in Visionary Realms News Notes. All right. Friday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, we get the March VIP Developer Roundtable uh, released to the public. And this one was a good one featured my favorite and yours pantheon lore master himself (laughs) and jn gerhardt along with newly hired associate concept artist holly lemay now they talked about how writing and art combined to create immersion and this was the community's introduction to holly so it was a real pleasure to get to know more about holly actually Uh, i'm always interested to know the first question I always want to ask the developers when we get a chance is, you know, what are their influences? What inspires them? You know, because the developers I follow, I feel like you can really tell a lot about them from that. So they, that question was definitely asked of Holly and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and, and Desiree, I know, I remember during the VIP roundtable when we were listening to it live, you were very happy to hear one of those influences that Holly was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) She was talking about drawing anime characters, you know, like on her binder back in her school days, which we've all done. Um, Not anime for me, but some (laughs) other characters or whatever. Dragonlance characters was mine. She mentioned uh, Chrono Trigger, and I'm going to butcher the next one, and I'll get you to correct me here. Oh, no, I don't Um, know the next. I don't know it either, so. uh, Okay, okay. Well, there was one that she mentioned that it was like Fushigi Yugi or something like that. I don't know anime. Somebody else, or somebody out there, probably knows what she was talking about. But it sounded like you were pretty excited about oh, it. Yeah, um, just because that's like I feel like that's a one of us kind of <laughs> kind of yeah. person, you know? Like she she's a she's a nerd, and uh, and that's great. That's yeah. exactly fits in line with us. Yeah, it really is. And and she went on to actually say, so the anime stuff doesn't speak to me necessarily, but she did go on to say that she's a big fan of the Bioware series, and that's the Dragon Age, um, Mass Effect games, yeah. that. That is speaking my language now. So I love that and uh, love to hear those influences. Um, and as always, of course, great to hear from JN too. And um, JN appears to have leveled up his microphone as his sound quality was much better and top notch. Not that it was bad in the past, but it was definitely a big difference. I know you noticed. Oh, it yeah, right it's, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. And so when you listen to it, you definitely get the the uh, richness of his lore infused voice coming through. Um and, you know, I, as everybody out there knows, I could go through every lore nugget that they shared on the on the round table and I could discuss them, but we're not going to do that. I, that's probably better served in a, in a dedicated lore video. So uh-huh. we won't do that here, but we can definitely do some of the highlights. And Desiree, you and I both asked questions in the uh, thread uh, beforehand, and we were lucky enough to get our questions answered 
during the roundtable. So let's cover those ones at least. And I want to start with uh, with yours because um, the question you asked um, was that the, it was for both of them, Jay and, and Holly. It was basically the concept art in the past has had a very distinct style and you wanted to know how does the literature of Pantheon reflect the style of the art? So I'm going to kind of paraphrase Jan's answer here because he basically said uh, the writing he's done for Pantheon, he doesn't really consider it long form, I guess, or he doesn't classify it as, as literature. Um, he's trying to find that balance of you know, writing for a video game versus writing a novel. And mm -hmm. he's touched on this before. It's come up before, actually, the issue of like overwriting in terms of the context yeah. of, a, of a video game. Because he's, like I said, um, if you've listened to his interviews before, he's not really, um, he doesn't have the gaming background, especially with MMOs. I think he's played some of the Star Wars games back in the day, and, and that's his universe that he's a big fan of. But in terms of MMOs, he's, he's not a MMO gamer. So, um, you know, he said there are many things the point he made and I really liked was that when you're writing for a video game, there's so many other things vying for your attention in terms of the gamer, I guess, is from the perspective of the gamer. So he needs to be mindful of that yeah. when he's writing. Um, he commented on it again later in the roundtable when he said, you know, one of the lessons he's learned came from watching Ko play through Fortress Devire and reading, you know, extensive amounts of text. And he felt this was a, you know, a good lesson, a good example of not writing with video game context in mind when he had made a mistake of being perhaps too verbose in that situation. Um, and he said as long, the bottom line is he said, as long as there's a sense of meaning and, and wonder, you know, that's how the art and the writing sort of ties together. So, mm. you know, with all that, Desert, did you, did you like his answer to your question here? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I think one of the, the best things he said was he's, he's very, um, I can't get the exact quote, but he's very cognizant of like what the players are doing now. Um, and I, I right. see that as like a learning experience, you know? So now, uh, cause writing for a video game, don't get them wrong. Like it's a challenge. Uh, there's a lot of restriction because you do have to consider how the player operates. And, um, and that, that totally makes sense. I mean, I, I was kind of just going for like, you know, like, is there a certain theme or a certain feeling uh, you know, that comes from writing, uh, in, in reference to the art. Cause I, I, I like, I like the Pantheon art. I think it's, it's kind of mm -hmm. special, you know, like it, it has a certain feeling yep. associated with it. And I think it is a bit nostalgic and, um, and he kind of took it a little bit different direction, a great direction, totally. But like, uh, like I, I, I really appreciate that he's really thinking about the players and what they're doing when he's writing for these things now. Um, that he recognizes, you know, what happened in the co stream, um, as much mm -hmm. as some people like that, you know, um, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was noticeable. It was noticeable for sure. I remember it well. And I actually remember commenting on it saying, you know, like I'm into this, but I know there's probably a lot of people who are like, wow, that's a lot of reading. Yeah. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you can imagine, you know, when we do more streams and, and he, you know, he's probably going to be seeing some of them and seeing players just like click, 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 you know, through, right, through dialogue right. and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm glad that he's aware, uh, and I'm glad that he's writing for a video game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, the way it comes together is always very unique to the individual and the, the combination of the writer and the artists putting their minds together. And I know when I'm like looking for, to get in the, the mindset of 
you know, fantasy writing or like just any kind of writing, I can, I look at art to get inspiration, right? Or I listen to music. I search up on, you know, Spotify, like fantasy, you know, high fantasy music. And it, it's, it really comes together. It, it, they work well together. So I think it was a really good question that you asked. Um, you also wanted to know, you know, if, if Holly would be replicating other art styles that uh, we've seen in Pantheon, or, or is she going to go for something new? And she helped, she let us know, basically, that it would be a mistake to try and, you know, completely do her own thing. She wants to try and mesh her style into the established art style that they have uh, because, you know, she doesn't want to stand out, you know, doesn't want it to stand out like a, like a sore thumb kind of thing, seem out of place, which of course makes per make, makes perfect sense to me. And uh, we've, we've said this a few times already, but I can't, you know, wait to see some of her art. And after hearing this, and I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I think what came out of this question, uh, the little like bit of dialogue they had just made it really obvious that, you know, Jared, as a as a lead in this you know in this uh, department you could say uh he just seems like a very strong lead you know like mm-hmm. th- that yeah. other people can kind of come underneath and really i don't know just be led by <laughs> you know I, yeah. I get a very distinct sense that that jared is just he's he's got it you know he's got it and other people are like oh yeah i can work with that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Able to lead a, a team of artists, which is, you know, a, a tall order to begin with. Leading a team of anybody is a tall order. But then again, when you're dealing with artists and, you know, personal creativity and, and uh, how they how they operate, it's sort of a very uh, tall orders a little bit. Yeah. But um, there was a follow-up question and, and I asked Holly if there's anything, you know, she's seen in the lore or the game that really has intrigued or inspired her to create artwork for. Um, and one of the themes throughout the round table, Holly talked about it many times was the Darkmer mm-hmm. and their arrival story. And this was sort of because there was a connection to the way that she was uh, hired, like the, the hiring process. They, there was like an art test or like a, not a test, but like a sample where she had to create something. And it was talked about the Nytherian red, uh, which is basically like an offshoot or a sub, uh, sub race of the Darkmer. Um, so she said she was really moved by their tale and she wants to explore it even further. Uh, so, you know, the Nytherian red, we're going to talk about that a little later in the podcast, but I'm <laughs> going to do the lore section. So we're going to get a little context here if you're not sure what they are, but, um, you know, we, we talked last week about all the positions they're hiring for the artwork positions and all those things. Um, so being well-versed in the lore obviously helps, <laughs> you know, yeah. with getting, getting a position, at least having a familiarity or having, you know, gone through it a little bit probably is an advantage. So I thought that was valuable um, for everybody out there to hear. Now, the next couple questions, Des and I, Des, you and I basically had the same question. <laughs> we were asking the same thing. It, it, and so, you know, we want to know about the signature characters and we were very interested and we'll start there. And here's the question that I asked because mine was very specific. It was a question about perception storylines and and the signature character tales that they've written. So I wanted to know, are there any perception in-game perception storylines that have been developed and implemented that involve either a continuation or like an intertwining of the signature character tales that we've, we've heard about. So really it was a two-parter because I wanted to know about the storyline itself. I also wanted to know, like, have they been, you know, where's perception at in terms of development? Yeah. And I actually (laughs) think Jan was pretty, um, pretty good with his answer in terms of like, you know, willing to say, um, you know, maybe that it wasn't implemented. I'll read you what he said or talk about what he said here because it was a bit of a bean actually. 
he confirmed that. So Thalen Greyborn's tale, which is one of the signature characters, uh, if you've read her tale, uh, he said it's part of a perception storyline where the players are going to traverse that line between the the sort of the cultural divide between the Ashen and the Ember Elves. Um, he noted that if you've read it, you know, you know, her mother is like in the upper echelon of Ashen Elves of Fairthale and Thalen that has become the face of the Ember Elves. So there's, there's more to it than that. We won't go into the, the <laughs> deep, <laughs> D any deeper on it than just to say that, but Jan made it clear that, you know, it, this is not going to be like a thing where you're for or against Thalen. It's more like which way of life of the elves resonates more with you. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here for sure. Um, and then from the game development standpoint, I'll, I'll quote what Jan said, because it's important. He said, quote, depending on how we do it in game from a player perspective. Uh, so it it's not fleshed out yet. And that's what's telling me that this perception uh, implementation isn't quite there yet because it doesn't sound like they really know how that's going to look. So if we look at the alpha roadmap, um, we can see that the perception system is still on the quote to do state, right? Yeah. So the way, the way it reads is, um, while we're able to support preliminary implementations of perception content, additional development is needed for supporting tools and UI is required to implement perception and its related features and progression on a larger scale with the quality intended for alpha and beyond. So basically con confirming what I think Jan is saying here, or Jan's confirming that. Um, and it's a good reminder, you know, that these round tables, although they aren't focused necessarily on the nuts and bolts of game development, they can give us some clues as to, to where they're at. So, mm -hmm. you know, Desiree, I'll, I'll turn it over to you here, over to you here and ask you, you know, because I know you love the bait so much um, as a tale and, and being a narrative. How do you feel about a perception storyline being attached to it like the one that Jan described with, with Thalen? Well, I mean, I, I don't know about perception storylines based around the character stories exactly. Um, since I, I kind of see them as, you know, stories about the world, you know, not our stories, uh, even though they are apparently, you know, characters that we might meet in the world, which I, I think that is the potential uh, being here, right? Is that mm -hmm. we might be able to either, uh, here's how I say, either we're going to meet them in game um, or Jan means that we'll be dealing with that Ashen and Ember cultural divide um, and not specifically with Thalen. Like, you know, yeah. it's not like Thalen's like the quest giver, <laughs> you know, so to speak. Well, he said before that we will meet them in game. I, it was specifically Thalen. Yeah, because I think I, I asked I that wanna... in the past, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we will meet them. It's like, um, you know, as much as like I want this to be a world and not like a, you know, main story quest kind of a thing. Like, I think the big caricatures, the big, you know, personalities in the world really matter. And so... Um, a, I'm really happy to hear that it does seem like this is very much uh, a thing that we're going to see. Um, but I also, I, I also just kind of love that Jane isn't trying to like push the player in one direction either. Like, like you know, the typical mm -hmm. MMO mm -hmm. like quest. Um, right. But he just wants to like paint a picture of this like real, you know, believable cultural uh, cultural divide. You know, rather than like that, you know, these guys are good and these guys are bad. Like, because <laughs> mm -hmm. right. we see that. And I, I just, I love, I love writing. It's like plausible worlds. So I, I think it bodes well for some really engaging stories that, that aren't just like, you know, black and white, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 
I felt like it was a good example of how they've described the perception system in the past when it comes to like being flagged for a certain, you know, thing. Like, so let's say you are doing this perception storyline and and you decide that um, her mother is, uh, or Ashen, the Ashen elf way of life is something that you see as more relatable to yourself or maybe something that you feel would benefit the elves or just for whatever your reasons are. So then you, you follow that perception piece it becomes flagged and it doesn't it doesn't like you don't finish the quest in a different way it just changes how other uh npcs how other interactions in the game might play out for you you know and at the end of the day you know like again we're getting into like further the mechanics of the perception system which we don't have all the information of yet so we're sort of speculating however i think it's a good i really liked it as a example of the idea, the concept behind perception storylines. And, um, I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the, <laughs> the signature characters and, and meeting them. I definitely want to meet all of them <laughs> and talk to all of them at some point. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a good answer. I really, I really appreciated that one. The, um, lastly, you know, I asked Jan how he conveys, this was a pretty funny answer, how he <laughs> conveys his vision when he's writing to the artists, you know, and how does that, how does he do that? And there were, he made a bunch of jokes, you know, about his, his artistic skills involving, you know, melted crayons and finger paint. Um, and that's basically the extent of like his art director role. So he doesn't really do that. Uh, he did give an example of something that he'd recently sent to Holly to create. And that was, um, he described it as being an unnamed boss headpiece so i don't know what i don't know what could be nobody really you know they didn't name it or give it any sort of like clues as to what it could be um holly spoke with a little bit of excitement about creating this piece a little later on but again was careful not to not to spill the beans on it so i don't know what it is or who it could be but we've only really seen one boss in the game and that's sleepless so mm-hmm. it's pretty intriguing um you know and i thought the the funny uh, example of him doing finger paints to try and get his vision to them was pretty interesting. And I think it really speaks well to like respecting an artist's uh, independence or autonomy as an artist, you know, and not trying to like control the narrative or control the vision too, too much, not like getting it across. So uh, that's why I asked the question because I think it's important. So Desiree, anything else from the round table that you wanted to mention here? I'm glad you asked. I actually got, (laughs) I've got a few takeaways uh, from this DRT. Um, like, I mean, it, we tackled a, a few of the main points, but like, I, I I really came away from this, A, just being like, man, that was actually like really good. <laughs> but but uh, specifically, I mean, dude, Holly straight up feels like she's been part of the team for years, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, definitely. And no, like, not only did she just kind of fit in with VR, but like, she's just kind of a natural with the the drt the the q a style thing like she's just mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah she was right in there she was like dishing out beans and like you know but also like playing the game of like don't give every you know don't give everything away you know like she she knows what she's doing yeah exactly like she she was a you know really great at communicating but also like really fun like she totally like played in with the dynamic with with jan like when you mentioned the whole finger painting thing like you know she made jokes about like oh you know little do you know that we hang your stuff up at the office like you know <laughs> yeah, just like that's right i forgot about little, that little yeah. little nuggets like that and i mean i, I did i just i could totally see why she was hired on right um and I, yeah yeah the other side uh, like personality wise is just 
I she's already so immersed in the lore. Like it, I would say even like invested in Terminus, right? That's the vibe I get is that she actually like cares like already. Um, and like just the idea that she'd be so new to the team and already so passionate about like the dark myth, the Nithirian red, the, you know, I just think it bodes really well for the project and like what a rock star hire, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, well, I mean, and it's like everybody they interview or everybody on the team, whenever you hear them speak, it's always about the feeling, you know, they, they have that passion. They have the, they feel it, you know, they, they just feel it. And, and you, that came across with her and like, she wasn't like, you didn't feel like she was like nervous or like on the no, spot not or all. anything like that. Like a very comfortable and, and like, I really love our, our VIP group in the VIP discord because everybody's like just super into it. Right. And, and cheering her on and like, you know, whenever something funny comes up, it's always like, you know, we may make references to past stuff and it's like this little community of, it's like family almost. So it's just great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so the deities, um, I, I know you don't want to get like super into like all the lore bits, right? But, you know, just for the sake of uh, sating uh, a little bit of appetite here and, and referring to the entire DRT, which you should totally still listen to uh, when you have time. But, uh, I mean, one of the questions led to JN just kind of spitting out a bunch of deities. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, some mm-hmm. of them we already knew about, like, you know, we've got Seer and I. But then uh, name Mavor... Mm-hmm. I which yep. either I didn't know about or I forgot. No, that's new. It's it's brand well, new. Well, it's archive so deity, every, so I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. So every time there's like I feel like over the last three or four years, every time there's like a lore thing that they do, they always give us one or two more deities. And like I've got this list <laughs> that I keep adding to because I'm trying to get like a full list of the deities of, of pantheon like who are the deities and every time they do one of these things they add more to it and i'm just like oh boy we're not done yet nope <laughs> and then, you know i can't make a video on it until i have a complete list so oh man well it's gonna be one heck of a video then because uh i mean w- again we already knew about the nine god the nine nine hates which is related to the scar yep. right um yep. which jn seems to be really excited about actually like yeah. there's some like dynamic between the the their deity and and uh and the race themselves um but yeah, then just this a, another just totally new one ushim or ush uh, yeah it was ushim, ushim. right Which, yeah that's what he said like yeah uh, and i think oh, i can't remember what race that was a deity for do you remember i, I don't think he said if he said I, no? I missed it but mm. yeah he just kind of like I was like here's a name mm-hmm. ushim <laughs> like <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> Okay, can we get some context on that? (laughs) Can we get a little context for that? Because that would be helpful. Uh, Like, how about just give us the, you know, the book of the Availoth for the humans? Like, just, just, you know, another book, another race. Give give us the compendium. Admittedly, like, yeah, I would, I would love that. You know, more, more on the website, you know, I'm I'm glad they started like adding, adding that, but I, we we need more, more, Um, (laughs) more, more. I mean, speaking of more, I mean, this isn't exactly like lore. This is, you know, potential like in-game stuff. Um, We got a little bit about Hybrace, which I'm Mm -hmm. pretty interested in. Um, Just because that that piece of art, the concept art, that if, you know, if you've been following Pantheon for a decent amount of time, you've probably seen the concept art for Hybrace, and it's insane. Like it, it's, it's one of the oldest ones. It's one of the oldest pieces of concept art that I think that yeah. they have. 
<laughs> it's still relevant. It, I, it, it just has always been so inspiring. And like, and it's actually so, um, it's so interesting. There's a art, uh, like not channel. What do you, what do you call it on Instagram? I don't even use it much anymore, but there's like uh, a, yeah. you know, we post all this different, like, you know, fantasy related art, um, you know, every day or whatever. And I saw high brace. Um, oh, like really? they actually oh, wow. got the concept art for high brace. And I was like, that's Pantheon. I know where that's from. <laughs> um, but nice. uh, anyway, sorry, that was a total sidetrack, but you know, we got a few details about it. It's just like a, it's a kind of uh, commerce hub but not a racial specific city. Um, and I, I also thought it was very interesting that he made sure to say it's a free port, <laughs> but not free port. Yeah. Um, that was funny. Yeah. Cause I, you yeah. just, you know, mentioned he he's, I don't think he played old EQ. Right. Uh, no, but you know, he hangs no. around enough of us. So like, <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> free he knows. Port. Freeport almost, almost slid through there yeah. and then somebody corrected. Yeah. It. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was thinking like, I kind of imagine this, if it is kind of a neutral area, I mean, that seems like a, you know, the makings of a real like player hub, you know, like Freeport, but mm -hmm. like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just so excited because A, the concept art just totally sticks with me to this day and B, just that it's still, you know, it's still set out to mm -hmm. be made. <laughs> it's still yeah. a thing. No, I'll tell you a little a little trivia about Highbrace that comes from the lore, which isn't on the website anymore. But if you are ever in Highbrace and you meet a guy named Festus, he's a fraud. Oh, just so you know. yep. Just FYI, straight from the lore. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Random lore nugget of the day. There you go. Uh, and we haven't even got to the end yet. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, a little note. Um, and this is just kind of uh, me nerding out. It's just like, the word cohesive was used several times. And besides being one of my favorite words, uh, I just think it's a really important word to use. Um, I, I think it's important that the world is cohesive and that JN's keeping that in mind, that the artists are keeping that in mind and, you know, make sure that it, it works. It makes sense within itself. Um, again, you know, we're talking about like a plausible world and one that we can like, you know, be really immersed in and not just something like thrown together. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. real conflicts mm -hmm. like that makes sense <laughs> you know like that's the thing that always gets me man and uh so i'm just yeah no and i'm i'm always impressed with how they sort of keep things tied together well you know nothing nothing ever seems like holly was saying you know out of place it doesn't seem like too distinct from the rest of the world so it gives that sense of completeness you know wholeness yeah yeah well, uh, right that, on. that was a lot. Um, <laughs> and I know we need to move on. So I'll, I, I want to kind of leave us on that note with a quote from JN that I think just kind of hits right, uh, right in the bones. Um, and the quote is, I hope that both our art style and our narration style have a sense of wonder. They have danger. They have imagination. There's purpose. There's meaning. There's death. <laughs> depth he says there's all there's also going to be death but depth is yeah. what he meant and then he and then he threw an ironic joke there because whenever death comes naturally up, throw an naturally joke. but uh but he says uh mystery and a world that is so deep and interesting that you just can't help but draw and write about it i love that man yeah it's awesome. It's awesome. They couldn't, they couldn't have a better writer and uh, artist on board there for sure. So I love these and uh, can't wait for the next one. So 
uh, yeah, go give it a listen and uh, leave a comment, leave a like on their, uh, on their YouTube uh, channel so uh, people can find out about it and that kind of stuff. So that was the round table. We also got the April calendar for the upcoming month here uh, in terms of development updates. So let's take a quick look at that. We won't spend too much time on it, but uh, like I said, April 1st, the dev roundtable released. Um, on April 14th, we have the next developer live stream. It just says the team explores development on multiple fronts, so nothing specific. Uh, the April newsletter comes out on April 21st. Um, and then again, the next uh, VIP only rev dev roundtable is on April 29th. So you can catch it live if you're a VIP. And if not, then a week after that, it'll come out to the public. So no specifics on terms of what April holds. Um, the concept art has Wild's End in the background. I don't know if that means anything, but whatever. It's, uh, <laughs> it's nice to look at anyway. Um, so not much more to say about the calendar, but we do have to talk about what came out on April Fool's Day because oh we'd be remiss not to give credit to this because this was awesome. If you missed it, um, so they, they put this on Twitter. I think they put it on Reddit too. They, they announced the, uh, they announced the launch of uh, Graybox. classic version of Pantheon is going to run alongside the launch version. <laughs> so here's the sales pitch from VR. It says you asked and we listened as classic renditions of MMORPGs become more coveted. We wanted to ensure all Pantheon fans got the quintessential raw experience. So without further ado, introducing Graybox classic. It says, with over 88% of our PA, PA testers asking for it, we decided to maintain a server in Graybox, <laughs> giving PA tester pledges the opportunity to relive the nostalgia of PA testing. It's only available to players who have PA access, PA access and available soon after launch. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's got the features for four things. It's got four zones. It's got no crafting and four classes. So, <laughs> and then the bottom line is Pantheon, the way you fell in love with it and the way you stayed in love with it. <laughs> So it's so good. It's so good. Um, and so like PA testers will like catch little tidbits of this that are just so like, mm -hmm. like actually accurate as well. Um, I think that's yeah. my favorite part is, is it's funny in itself, but it's also a nod to the people that have PA tested in the state that the game was in like that. So I, this is just a good joke. It's hilarious. I mean, this is, again, this has minus written all over it. You know, it's got the bear and the halfling in the yeah. center box there. Uh, no crafting as, as a feature. And, and we know back in the day before Midas joined VR, we had a whole podcast about his, uh, <laughs> not distaste, but felt crafting wasn't exactly the most necessary thing in the world. Anyway, um, you know, and the, the replies to this tweet were actually pretty funny too. Co-Carnage was in there with the, with the good uh, Andy Bernard gif, which I love. <laughs> Uh, you know, and it just keeps the indie spirit of things going sometimes. And they're not a, you know, this isn't corporate, you know, sanitized nonsense. It's just fun. And I love that they're keeping it that way. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, gray is the new black and sign me up for gray box classics. So how about you? <laughs> you gotta get in you know, I, I, we can do without the HDRP, right guys. Let's just, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll stay in gray yeah. box forever. <laughs> yeah. It's like I said on, on uh, stream the other night, I said, I want LDRP. I want the low resolution <laughs> <laughs> dynamic pipeline. So LRDP. So yeah, anyway, uh, that was a good one. In terms of uh, notes for Pantheon Plus, what we're doing this week, we're going to give you a special preview here, a little promo video. We're gearing up for our 2022 Dungeon Group Draft. It's now the third year we're doing this, which is kind of crazy, hard to believe. Um, rather than me tell you about it, let's actually watch the promo video. So let's roll the promo. Thank you. 
Joppa himself. As as a Joppa fangirl, I would absolutely pay 17, absolutely 100% legal Dark Paw Chrono to have a group with Joppa himself. I'd pay 500 rupees delivered in a Goron wallet. I would pay 15 pounds of premium trail mix, seven beanies for each day of the week, and one robust mug. I would pay five kegs of Dwarven Ale. I would pay one dozen get-out-of-jail-free cards for breaches of you-pulled-it, you-tank-it. I would gladly pay three woes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I'm happy with that. Now, I did offer a, a trade. I'm still waiting to see if uh, it gets accepted, but... Um... So I've been offered a trade, um, straight, straight up, not a two-for-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been offered the bear in exchange for John. All right, so that little video you just watched, if you're watching the premiere or you're watching on YouTube or heard it, I guess if you're listening uh, into the audio version, that's going to go up on our YouTube channel on April 4th. So you can get all the details and whatnot. Just mark April 26th on your calendar, 6 p.m. Eastern. That's when the draft is happening. Uh, make sure your calendars are marked so you don't miss it. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. Um, speaking of marking your calendars, the week after the draft, May 1st, is Rewind episode number 100. We talked about this last week and I put out the call for voice messages and we've received some already. So make sure you do not forget, but we need more. So don't uh, forget to record your Rewind 100 message and uh, send it to me or Des. Uh, and we'll play it on the show. So just, you know, whatever you want to say, thank you. You want to say, talk about the rewind. You want to talk about Pantheon. You want to talk about whatever, (laughs) send it in. We'll, we'll, we'll play it. Um, specifics are in the announcement on the, on our discord. Um, but, uh, come on people, you know, don't slack off your time will run out and you'll forget. And then you'll just wish you had Yeah, to all Um, my procrastinators out there. Uh, you, you you should, you should probably do it. You should probably do it now. Yes. Take it from the procrastinator of all procrastinators (laughs) (laughs) time flies when you're procrastinating um i mean it's a win-win because you can win an alpha pledge we're giving away two alpha pledges pathfinder pledges on the show for those that do send in messages and uh, so you definitely have a potential to come out on top of this so um and then finally the week that's going to come up here april 4th through april 10th our calendar of content is there so you can see uh on Monday, we're uh, do Drac has a video coming out talking about uh, ideas for EverQuest's next uh, time lock progression server. Uh, he won't be streaming at midnight on Monday with uh, just taking the night off. We're back at Project Gorgon on Tuesday night, though, which we had a ton of fun with this past <laughs> week. You have to watch it. Nathan Napalm did a highlights video. And it was oh, yeah, at least watch hilarious. that. Yeah, at least watch that. So, yeah, exactly. Um, I'll have a lore sporing video going up on Wednesday and uh, definitely going to keep my promise this time. I'm not going to. <laughs> change it out for something else as i did last week uh sparrow is going to be streaming some lotro on her twitch channel 9 p.m eastern on wednesday uh redbeard flint is back with uh, a stream on friday for uh, called what is ashes it's about ashes of creation so um that should be exciting uh crypt fox is also streaming uh, on his regular schedule throughout the week i believe he's playing dead by daylight as he usually does and uh, yeah so good uh, good week of content for you and uh, that is it for this week's vr news and notes when the pantheon community speaks we listen so let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about 
right, this week's community discussion is it's going to be a bit of a two-parter. Uh, this thread comes from uh, Mugwai44 on the official forums, although a lot of us know uh, know him as Mugs. Uh, and since this was just posted on the first, there's not a lot of uh, responses yet, um, uh, especially you know when we're recording. Um, but you know, there's a few, and I, I feel like there's room for some talk here. So, so like, let's get into it. Um, the first part of the post, it's a, a pretty simple question. It's, is there a system or feature of Pantheon that you just can't get on board with, um, be it not fully fleshed out or just a system that doesn't sound fun to you? Um, now, uh, okay, so that's that's actually a pretty big one. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of like let that stew for a bit while we tackle the uh, the second part, which <laughs> I, you know I thought was equally as interesting. Because um, for mugs, the system chosen was the mastery system, or actually specifically with the mastery system that you can eventually end all mastery in every ability without limit, um, as long as you grind it out, of course. Now, uh, mugs seems to feel like this would you know lead even more of a kind of meta uh, situation and kind of defeats the idea of that whole, you know, decide your own play style um, to a certain degree. Um, so, Theric, while we're like kind of considering this, uh, I'm going to try to hit mm-hmm. this from both sides, okay? Uh, on mm-hmm. one hand, if you can unlock every mastery, I think the fear is that certain abilities um, and, you know, the mastery that goes along with them will just kind of be considered better for certain situations. Mm-hmm. And then getting all the mastery will just feel more like a requirement. So, you know, you get into a raid and your build has already been kind of all but decided because everyone expects you to have every mastery. And I think this is mm-hmm. kind of what like Thunderleg seems to be saying uh, in the replies as well. Um, but on the other hand, after uh, personally playing two games recently where one requires you to like de-spec um, as in like remove some skill gain so that you can gain, you know, some new skills, uh, which would be Mortal Online 2 versus Project Gorgon, where you can literally just kind of learn everything um, if you have the time for it. Um, But also Project Gorgon has a, you know, limited action set. And well, it turns out like from my experience, at least the limited action set does to some degree help kind of keep things balanced uh, since if you if you could have maxed everything out, you can still only have so many abilities available at once. So that's, I mean, I'm sure there's more nuance to it, but that's kind of the the two sides that that I'm seeing right now, uh, as far as you know, unlimited or limited. But, uh, but yeah, what are you thinking, Derek? Do you like the unlimited mastery or limited? Yeah. No, no, I I I like the limited. Um, I like the limited action set, but I in terms of mastery and being able to, you know. Um, everything being sort of attainable and therefore being sort of uh, a set endpoint. I think that that's the key people are missing is that. So think about every MMO you've played. Have you had everything that you wanted? Like, have you always achieved everything you've wanted? Like in terms of gear, in terms of skills and abilities, Um, you know, was there ever anything that you just, never were able to obtain because that that's for me that's happened like there have definitely been things i haven't been able to attain that i wanted to and this is the thing with the mastery system that gets brought up all the time is like well i'll eventually just have them all well you probably won't actually (laughs) you probably won't because 
in a way, as much as, you know, as much as content locusts that we are, and, and, and I'm certainly not even like a tenth of what some people are able to pull off in terms of time commitment to the game. There's challenges that you are just not going to be able to overcome, at least not within a reasonable amount of time, mm-hmm. right? Yes, there's like 0.1% of the population that's going to get those targets. And that's fine. That's what they're there for. They're there to be got. However, you have to look at it from like the perspective of we're not looking at it from like uh, the the appropriate challenge applied to it, you know? Um mastery skills and and the really good ones the high-end ones the ones that are gonna be the most sought after in the late game and the at the near level cap kind of thing they're gonna be super hard to get and super rare and you know that's that's fine i i don't see the problem with it i mean if the meta is at that stage you have to have this item that just drives people even harder to to keep playing the game and to, to push for it and to have goals that maybe they don't ever attain so I like the mastery system, the way that it's been described and and explained about, and they know this, like, you know, VR and Joppa specifically knows high-end, you know, MMO stuff from P99, from Classic EverQuest, from other MMOs. He knows how this works. So they're not going to set it up to like, you know, everybody within the first six months of Pantheon being out is going to have all the stuff, you know, it's just not how it's going to work. So I, I don't, I'm not afraid of it like that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm with you. I think I, I lean towards unlimited as well. Um, like mainly because we have the limited action set. Uh, like I, I, I think with with tuning elsewhere, um, it could kind of help with that whole homogenization issue. But, but honestly, in a game like Pantheon, I think it's gonna just kind of feel really bad to have to roll another character for the same class but, if you didn't get the masteries you wanted. You know, but. But you don't have to, like, that's the thing, right? So you need to, if you're playing a, a, a warrior and you don't have a really good, uh, your your one of your skills isn't upgraded to the next mastery level and that mastery skill, you're just never, you haven't got it or it's not likely you're going to get it. Now you're in a position where you have to find, uh, you know, a group or you have to find ways to strategize around not having that, having that mastery yeah. or f- find a group that is at the same level of commitment to the game as you are, where you're all, you're all sort of like looking at those high end skills and being like, look, that's just not the level that we're going to attain here. So we work with these lesser ones. Like I, I see it as being, it's a little bit of the player jealousy issue that we've talked about in the past where it's okay not to have everything, you know, it's okay not to have everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, but I think, I think that's like the idea behind limiting it is that you, you create, um, you kind of manufacture that the thing that you're talking about where people have to problem solve to get over their deficiencies, right? But I think when it comes down to it, what it, it, it's created in other games that do limit like a build um, where you can't get everything, you can't, uh, or you don't have any opportunity to get everything, I should say. Like you reach a certain point and then that's, you're done. Like that's all your progression, right? Um it, I think it kind of like encourages people to have to like pre-plan their builds ahead of time, um, usually outside of game, right? Which actually, like, I think it actually pushes people more into min-maxing because um, it like enforces that whole respec culture mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, a ton well, of games do that, right? 
let's 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 use Elden Ring as an example because it's fresh in my mind. <laughs> okay, so builds are a thing in Elden Ring, and people are creating these builds based on you know outside information. They're looking up something and they say, okay, this is a build that I saw. I want to create this build, so I'm going to go for this armor, this weapon, and I need to get these incantations or something of those effect. See, I don't play like that, and maybe this is just me, but. I find something cool in game that I like, that I really like. And then I start building my build around that because that's what I've attained. So, so when you're talking about builds and min-maxing, you know, it's, it's a, it's a player mentality thing there. There's, you know, how you play the game is uh, different. If you play it without the sort of the outside, um, the outside information available to you, right? So what is my build right now in Elden Ring? My build is based on uh, a spear that I found that I really, really liked. So I started pumping stats to make into my character so that I can use this spear and then finding things, incantations, other abilities that synchronize well with mm. it and go well with it. So that's like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of that way too, but I, I know that the other way is, you know, very popular, like it's definitely not a minority of people that will follow build guides, no, right. you know, to be right. like optimal or whatever. Sure. But I, I do think that uh, it's actually funny you bring up that example because in Elden Ring, the, the max level is basically literally getting everything. Um, and mm -hmm. the funny thing is that most of the builds aren't building for max level. You know, they, they have like a kind of a community decided level where... <laughs> people just kind of arbitrarily like are like yeah it's soul level uh you know 150 uh that's basically a build um even though you can go way higher right um mm -hmm. and i i kind of feel like that's a similar thing that we would uh we would have in pantheon if they just left it unlimited it's like yes it, it maybe some guilds are like oh yeah you literally need to have <laughs> You know every every mastery point so that if we put you in this position you know you have the mm -hmm. correct response or whatever but yet, like you said that isn't going to be everyone um and there is going to just be a fundamental like average of players that reach a certain amount of like you know let's say like 60 mastery points or something um i i think it's, mm -hmm. it's more than that but like some arbitrary yeah. number where it's like okay you're like raid ready you know um yeah and you work yeah, around exactly. that I, I i think that's what the more common approach would be and i i do see the whole like idea of homogenization with like well yeah technically eventually you can get everything but i don't think it actually means that everyone is the same at that point um but yeah and that's the price you pay for you know following a meta is it you know if you're gonna if you're gonna be in tune or you know and really stay in touch with the meta and follow that outside information then yeah you're going to get homogenization of course i mean it's like that that but that's your choice you know you're choosing to do that mm. I, if you choose like if you want to achieve on that level then okay that's that's your call yeah you're free to do that yeah i mean i'm, I'm it's it's not the only way to play the game yeah, yeah totally i just know it you know i have to recognize you know it, it is popular and um but I, I do think that limiting it would actually have the opposite effect. Like I, I actually believe that if you did limit it, it would mean that people would feel the need to like re-roll or and stuff like that. Which I, I feel that is just not the the correct way to yeah. uh, tackle that problem. Um, and yeah, and I would so agree with that. Uh, basically, I, I hope to see them, uh, you know, 
tackle that problem in other ways, you know, uh, other ways outside right. of mastery, you know, like you, you, you create a good example of like, maybe it's just simply hard to find, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, yeah. we're, we're, again, we're underestimating the challenge level here, you know, remember, think of all the things they've shown us, yeah. the enemy AI, right? The, the, the dispositions, the, the, the manifestations as they're called from the boss on the raid level, boss level, you know, like it's not going to yeah. be easy to get all this stuff. And there's stuff in like classic MMOs that have been around for 20 years still that very few people have ever achieved. Right? Yeah. So, well, I, uh, I guess we should probably get to the original question too, huh? So, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw it to you first. Um, is there anything in Pantheon that you just can't get behind? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you threw it to me first. You know how difficult of oh, a yeah. question this was. We were talking about this ahead of time. You're like, oh, you take it first. I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I actually did think of something and it was uh, it was related to what I talked about in the intro, actually, and that's tasks. Okay, so we've got perception storylines in Pantheon, which are these big, you know, long perception storylines that go on for a while and are involved. And then they've talked about tasks. And tasks are what you might think they are. They're simple, boring, fetch you know, give me 10 wolf fangs and I'll <laughs> make a thing for you. I I don't care for it. I think it's been done a million times. There's no, like, I don't find anything uh, innovative or creative about it. I feel like it's just there to check a box off, like literally, which is ironic because that's what you're doing yeah, with these things yeah. anyway. And I'm not trying to be overly negative here. I just think that this is one of those things that got sort of added in and this is my perspective as somebody following the game. I don't know if this is correct, but it felt like it got added in once the discussion came to a point where they're like, you know, what's the, what's, what are players going to do? How are we going to keep players busy? And they're like, oh, we need tasks for them. And I'm like, oh no, we don't need tasks. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. got each other and we've got content and monsters kill. And like, we've got perception stuff to do. And it's like, uh, we've got exploration. We don't need these boring tasks. So I, I'm not on board with that. And, uh, I don't feel like they're going to take them out. I don't feel like they're going to do anything about it, but I just, oh man, well, that's, I don't think it fits with Pantheon. Yeah, that's actually, that's a really good one. Um, it, it, <laughs> it is kind of ironic that, uh, I mean, I've really appreciated them separating, you know, the terminology, right. To call a, a task, a task, you know, it's a very simple, simple thing. But if, if those tasks are prevalent and basically fill the same void that the typical questing system would would have in 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 pantheon then like it kind of defeats the purpose doesn't it <laughs> yeah like if you're yeah. not going to do something like if you're not if it's not going to be you know expanding on a current thing or innovating in some way like yeah. just why bother why expend any effort on doing this i i don't really see it other than just to say that it's there so that people can't complain when, when it's not there yeah like, there's nothing to do yeah yeah like what am i supposed uh. to do i'm like well you've got this box to check off if you really want to that's actually that's so that's so pertinent i i wish i had thought of that um because i I would actually have (laughs) agreed with you because um i i i'm in the same boat like i love the idea of the perception system and and actual storylines and in the past i've i've loved that they separated out tasks from um from quests you know so to speak but but yeah um like if it's if it's literally just tasked to get like a couple silvers you know um or or just like moderate little like faction gains that you just do over and over that will be so disappointing i'll I'll totally be with you on that um but like you know if it's if it's something like where you bring uh something logical um to like npc crafter and they like give you a piece of basic equipment or something 
Like, I think there's place for that in like the lower end, right? To kind of get people acclimated. Um, but mm. in 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 rarity, right? I if you go to every town and there's like five or six of those, uh, it's going to be like, man, Pantheon, why? Yeah, <laughs> why? Feels bad. You know, I, it's it's like sometimes less is more. And again, it's yeah. going to be like the Elden Ring episode. But I go back to like like less in that game is it adds so much. There are none of those stupid little things in Elden Ring. And I know it's not an MMO for everybody that's like, why is Derek talking about this so much? But <laughs> it's like, it's just the the principle of it is that you don't need to do something just to say you have it mm-hmm. or to do it. And if you're going to do it, like if you're ta- doing it the way you're talking about, where it's like at limited at low levels and then just non-existent at higher levels, like, I don't know. I mean, that could feel I bad too, because the then you feel like yeah, you're, I don't you're see losing content. But but yeah, yeah I, I right. totally, I, I think it's a great, a great topic for discussion. And I, I think if Pantheon does embrace like, hey, we're not going to do this or we're not going to do this very much, I think it does symbolize a paradigm shift and honestly, save them from having to create a bunch of really crappy content because um, yeah. it yeah, takes time exactly. to, you know, it's faster set up than a perception storyline, I'm sure, but you know, I, I, I'm totally with you, man. I, I didn't even think we were going to get into this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm totally... <laughs> you challenged me and I came up with something. I'm totally into this. And I, uh, so, but for, for me, because uh, I got to answer this too, um, yeah, mine's actually like, uh, ended up being a lot more major because I had to rack my brain. I, I, so I was thinking about all the features and I'm like, man, actually, I, I generally like this. I generally like this. and um, But man... Uh, I I realized that the the thing that hits me, the thing that I'm like not excited about, is levels. <laughs> I actually wow, really levels. Yeah, I actually really dislike that Pantheon is just going for the traditional level uh, approach because like I feel like it just it puts like a use by or like yeah use by date on the game and it kind of makes it less approachable as time goes on, you know, and the the level cap gets higher and higher and. You know, especially because we know they'll be increasing the level cap with expansions as per tradition, you know, because that's like mm-hmm. just what you do. Tradition. And, um, and yeah. you know, they've mentioned they, they're not going to raise it like a ton at once. But like, I, I just feel like the, that the typical like level progression approach, man, like I just I kind of feel like it's dead on arrival, yeah. man. I, like uh, unless they do some massive like rebalance and like level squish every, you know, couple of years, I, I just feel like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to get like crazy yeah. into it because we already like did dig a bit into other topics, but like it's just it's a really big thing that I don't think about much. But it, I'm yeah, I'm super not looking forward to that in in Pantheon because I just yeah. feel like for longevity of the game to maintain that it it gets hard, man. I hate that it invalidates content too. Like, I mean, they might be able to work yeah. against that, but yeah, well. Here's what I'll say. You used the term paradigm earlier, and I think this is basically the same idea where, you know, there is there is the MMO genre is due for a paradigm shift when it comes to um, levels. And Project Gorgon actually is probably a good example of this. Not that they want to copy what they're doing, but there are no levels in Project Gorgon. It's all skills, right? Like you don't. But having played that recently, and, and I can tell you that when you don't have levels, I feel like levels serve as a roadmap for you or a little bit of a marker. Like you are here place on the map because 
everybody wants to, I, I well, I'll speak for myself, but <clears throat> when I'm playing an MMO, I want to feel like I know where I'm at in relation to others and in terms of my power level, in terms of my uh, characters, mm. you know, just my character's expertise in whatever field, whatever class I'm playing. I feel like levels are just the best way of denoting that and on, on an immediately recognizable way. So being without levels, it's a little bit uncomfortable. I found <laughs> when I was playing project Gorgon, I found it just a little bit like what, what, I mean, they don't have classes either. So there's, there's that aspect to it, but it's like, where am I? Like what's going on? And levels are so traditional and so tied to the, to the, like I said, the paradigm that is currently, you know, the, the way it is, it's hard to imagine a game without them. But yeah. I'm interested in, I'm interested in your reasoning for like, you know, um, what would be the advantage of not having levels? Or maybe do you already explain that? Well, to, I, I just, I, I, th I think it makes it a lot easier to maintain the content. Uh, okay. Yeah. Fair and, and you know, just, uh, th that's really my biggest concern is longevity. Um, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we've been through a lot of dead and dying MMOs uh, that, you know, they're on level 120 or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I fully expect for people to continue pulling into these games and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm super not for catch-up mechanics, but uh, if if you continually just add more difficult creatures uh, without continuously moving the level bar higher and higher, you know, maybe there's more powerful gear, uh, more powerful spells that you can find, but having to grind the, the XP each time it, for just kind of this power level you know, spiel, uh, versus, Hey, now there's just more difficult content. So, uh, you know, a newer player comes in and they can, you know, maybe be more challenged, uh, as they, you know, work their way up, you know, in their personal power, but you get that. I feel like you get the same feeling of like overcoming, you go back to a area that was, you know, hard earlier and you wipe it clean, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I just, it's, yeah. you know, I always, you're always looking for that next line, right? Where's the next line where I am going to grow in my strength and level lines, you know, level demarcations, they, they really work. Yeah. Like that. I mean, for me, they do. They, they've always felt that way because you're always like pushing to get to that next, when I get to the next level, everything's going to be better. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> oh, geez, <laughs> it's like this false. That's so funny. I wonder if there is a, a, a bit of a like difference in uh community uh, about that, because to me, like, I don't care about the arbitrary level. I don't care if I'm level 45. I care what spells do I have? I care, you know, what are yeah, my stats? That's a good point. Um, It's just that's that the whole point. arbitrary level thing. That's, that's really the only thing that it is, is I feel like it's so arbitrary. <laughs> anyway, so I don't want to like super get crazy with this. And, you know, in the end, I think we know that like there's no game that's going to be 100% flawless and perfect for everyone, right? Or, or you know, even yeah. some people. Uh, but, but, you know, even if you don't like everything about it, it doesn't mean it's, it's not the game for you, right? And I, I'm still fully... Well, it's a good question. It's a good question for the community. So if you're listening to this, you know, let us know. Leave a comment. Oh, yeah. What system in Pantheon doesn't doesn't work for you? Or are you not on board with the way Muggs phrased it? I think it's a good way of putting oh, it. Yeah. So let us know because it's a good discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, that, and that's going to be it for this week's uh, community discussion. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm? 
what's this over here? <gasps> Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right, a few quick updates for the uh, spotlight this week. Uh, first off, got to make sure to shout out Crow Singer, getting uh, chapter 21 of her series uh, In the Sway of Storms, uh, which is up on uh, Pantheon Plus and the official forums. Uh, so definitely check that out, you know, keep keep mm-hmm. on that. Um, as far, it's almost finished. It's almost the, finished. The tale is almost told. <laughs> I know. You catch up now. <laughs> I know. I feel bad because it's like, I know this is like pressuring. <laughs> pressure <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah um as far as studio content you know we got basgrim did a quick baz flash uh just kind of going over the recent job posting for vr you know it's not a full basgrim video or anything but a quick recap um oh and as we as we brought up last week man of rohan did in fact release the full gray box lament music video mm-hmm. and uh and yeah it it indeed was as awesome uh, if not more than we, <laughs> we expected it, it- and and one of the, some of the replies on Twitter to the uh, April Fool's Day thing, the the Greybox oh, yeah. classic version of Pantheon, named this video. They're like, "Don't worry, the, the Greybox lament, <laughs> your your lament is no more. You are now reborn in the Greybox classic version of Pantheon." So perfect, <laughs> that like it, clever. If if that didn't influence the April Fool's joke, and it was just like happenstance, like this is a crazy simulation no, we live in. Um, yeah, it must have. I'm sure Minus got the idea. So perfect. Uh, you know, was inspired by that, which is a huge nod yes. to uh, Man of Rohan. And uh, I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but J.N. Gerhardt commented on his uh, on the video <laughs> yeah, as well, yeah. uh, saying, you know, this needs a million views or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And it does. It does. Uh, I'm going to remind you guys again to uh, go check that out. And I mean, I, I literally rocked out to it like several times while writing up the script. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's actually going to be a quick, quick uh, community spotlight this week. Um, so let's uh, move on. Sit back and relax. It's time for The Lore You Know. All right. So as I said in the intro and when we were talking about the roundtable, the Nytherian Red were referenced quite a bit during that by Holly. And so she's created some artwork. So I figured we should learn a little bit more about the Nytherian Red. And they're tail. They're tied to the tale of the Dark Myrrh's arrival on Terminus. So uh, let's dive into that lore a little bit, learn about the race of the Dark Myrrh, about their goddess Cyrenai, and all the things that happened to them when they arrived on Terminus. So sit back and enjoy the words of Jan Gerhardt, Pantheon's lead writer, as I read them for this week's Lore You Know. The Myrrh hail from the planet Isil the race born at a time when her oceans were dying. Wars between ancient leviathans had erupted beneath the waves, in battles so fierce even kingdoms on land were destroyed. But the gods of Isil did not stop the calamity, fighting with each other instead of giving aid. At last, one humble goddess named Cyrenai begged the spirit of Isil for answers. Manifesting herself in the depths, Isil gave Cyrenai a sacred gift, power to bring forth a single new creation. With this gift, Cyrenai fashioned the Myrrh, a race with kingly hearts and furious might. The Myrrh struck against the Leviathans with abandon, breaking them from war, driving the terrors back into the abysses. With the oceans liberated, the gods came together to bless and rule over the Myrrh. Songs beneath the sea declared that the Myrrh carried the heartbeat of Isil herself and the race flourished under a unified pantheon. Yet of all the gods, 
Cyrani remained their first love. In the chaos of their arrival, the myrrh poured into Terminus's lush seas, but the water worked through their bodies like poison, and they could not breathe in it. In an attempt to save the race, Nythir, the god of battle, sacrificed his body, which was composed of Issel's native seas, creating a breathable sphere of water within the ocean. Such a mighty gift, yet tragically fleeting as the waters soon mixed again. Even so, Nythir's closest followers would not move a fin or flinch muscle. Though they drowned, their allegiance would not succumb. With her people still in harm's way, Cyrani rushed to help the Myrrh, concentrating her power to transform and adapt the bodies she had created long ago. Yet mysteriously, her aid was kept at bay. Sickened with grief as she watched her people perishing, the brave goddess gambled on another, more perilous chance, leveraging the essence of her immortality to recreate the Myrrh anew, even giving them a lung by which to breathe on land and legs with which to walk. In a brilliant moment of sacrifice, the miraculous exchange saved the Myrrh, transforming them forever. But as the exhausted high mortal collapsed on the shores of Terminus, the crisis she averted wrought a fate far worse. Many say the cries of anguish loosed that day still linger in the murky waters. The agony of losing Cyrani poisoned the Myrrh hearts, as had the deadly oceans. Sorrow twisting into bitterness, then hate, until darkness consumed them. The Nytherian Red disappeared into the sea, searching for the means to return to true Myrrh form. Their brethren were left to pick up the fragments of their past, hoping to fuse them into a future. Yet the fateful day of their arrival is marked by mourning, one week prior and one week after. Among the ceremony is a reading from the Day of Testimonies, a collection of witness accounts to the lamentable day. Yet there is one creature they blame all things upon, a villain greater than the Nytherian Red, whose vicious actions they rank better than none at all. In the present frail age, the Dark Myrrh are seeking to claim the old glories of Issel. They have subdued their realm of the ocean and built a glorious city in honor of Cyrenae. Yet beneath the surface of splendor, there's an unsettling current that runs through the deep places where the Myrrh have descended like the ancient leviathans they were born to destroy. And that is the lore you know. So that's uh, another week in the books, Desert, my friend. Number 96, inching closer as oh, always yeah. to episode 100. Mm-hmm. So don't forget to send in those voice uh, messages, folks. We uh, we need them. And uh, I like I said, we've, we've got a couple already. I can tell you that they are awesome. And it is super easy. There's nothing to be, nothing to be afraid of. No reason not to because we uh we are very we're friendly folk and we uh, <laughs> we love you all so we we promise to uh we promise to uh read them or listen to them on the show and uh, have a good time so uh yeah so desrin uh ready for uh, one more episode in the books yep and that's uh that's a wrap that's a wrap so thanks everyone for coming out checking us out remember to leave a like leave a comment subscribe to the channel uh follow us on twitter all that stuff join our discord and we will see you next week. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. 
You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.